Greetings in Jesus' precious name. Welcome to our Wednesday night service. Such a joy for me to join along with all of you to pray, to seek the face of God, to be part of this hour of power. I believe that when the church truly seeks the face of God, we are setting ourselves up for a season of revival, for a season of encounters with God. for a season of revelations deep rooted revelations of what god is establishing in our lives see every time god wants to do something for us he will drop a revelation and that revelation when it continues to bear fruit it continues to produce results in us we are transformed according to the measure and the power of that revelation and that is what happens when we come into the presence of god and when we are willing to pray and in this season our father reminded us that we need to go back to that place of prayer we need to go back to that place where we pursue unity with one another we need to go back to that place where we pursue humility we need to go back to that place where we avoid offense of every sort every kind i hope that you read the dream that dad shared on the telegram channel if you haven't subscribed to him on telegram you need to do that because we get prophetic instructions from time to time and this dream it uh, was such an alarming one for me because the lord was speaking to us about how there is a poison that is trying to hurt even the most loyal people in your lives even the most faithful ones in your life are uh, going to be attacked in this season and there are poisons that are being released to deceive them to make sure their relationship with you is soured and uh, to make sure that you're disconnected and isolated and alienated from the people that God wants you to be in fellowship with which means we need to pray like never before which means we need to fight like never before you should understand that we are not praying so that we will be saved or so that we will be covered we are already covered we are already under a supernatural grace but we are praying so that we will have an understanding of where this attack is coming from of what we need to do in this season to grow in our love for the lord in our love for the people that god has placed around us that is why we pray that is why we seek his face and week after week when we do this together as a community as a church i'm telling you heaven is going to come down into our homes into our workplaces even in our church services and in our communities our cities are going to see an experience the favor the blessing the grace of god upon our churches I'm praying and I'm believing for this that every place that this uh, revive nation stream goes to every city that we have our voice and our access into those cities will have a special favor there will be a light of God in those cities and I thank God even for those cities where we have revive nations churches and I pray and I hope that all of these churches will be lampstands will be light bearing entities 
in that city. Today we are going back into the book of Revelation because our Father has been uh, continually encouraging us to study this book and to grow deeper in our understanding of who God is and what God is doing in these last days. And we have to yield to what God is speaking to us. We have to yield to what God is revealing to us. It's not enough that we go back with just information, but we have to go back with a surrendered heart, with a yielded personality, with a character that we have submitted to the ways and the principles and the perspectives of God. Let's go to the book of Revelation chapter 22 and verse 16. Jesus says, I, Jesus, I have sent my angel to give you this message for the churches. I am both the source of David and the heir to his throne. I am the bright morning star. Jesus is, in fact, signing off on the letter that is being transferred to John through the angel. And from John, it will go to the pastors of the seven churches that he's writing to. From there, it will go to all the members of these seven churches. And from there, it will continue to spread to all the other churches around the world. And finally, even reaching it into our hands and our Bibles and our revelation of who God is. The Bible says that this is Jesus who is speaking and he is the one who is giving this revelation to us. And it says that he has sent this angel to give you this message. To When I say you, we are referring to Apostle John here. And he says, I am Jesus who gave this message to my angel to give that message to now to Apostle John so that he can pass it on for the churches. So the ultimate purpose of this message was that the churches will be awakened, that the churches will have renewal, that the churches will have revival when these letters are read, when these letters are uh, explained, when these letters are meditated upon. You know, many a times I've uh, heard Many people preach on this that the book of Revelation is not for the church. Probably only chapter 2 and chapter 3 is for the church because uh, it refers to those seven churches, you know, in minor Asia. But the rest of the book of Revelation, no, that's not for us. That's for those that are going to be left behind after Jesus comes and goes back. So we are not going to experience any of the things written in the book of Revelation. That's what many people have to say about it. But you would see this, you know, repeated emphasis in the book of Revelation that, no, this book is written for the churches. This is for the people of God. It is not written for the world. It is not written to warn the sinners. No, it is written for his bride. It is written for you and me who are called by God who are chosen by God, who are set apart by God. It is for us to have a deeper revelation of the seasons, the times, and, the, and have an understanding on how to respond to our enemy and to have an understanding on how to 
grow in our commitment and our love and our revelation for God. Now, let's study the scripture a little bit more better. He's saying, this is me, Jesus, and I have sent my angel to give you this message for the churches. And he adds, I am both the source of David and the heir to his throne. I am the bright morning star. The best and my favorite thing about the book of Revelation is that we get to see Jesus in so many different dimensions. The other day we studied how Jesus is the first and the last. He is the beginning and the end. In every revelation that we have about Jesus, we in fact grow in an understanding of who we are and what we have access to because we have a relationship with that Jesus. He calls himself the bright morning star in the scripture. Now we came across this term multiple times in the Bible. We would see this being the same term that is referred to in Isaiah chapter 14 when we read about Lucifer, that he is the morning star and he has fallen. And in chapter 2 and 3, when Jesus is talking about how the victorious people are going to receive an inheritance, Jesus tells us, I will give them the morning star. Now in this scripture, he says, I am the bright morning star. Jesus is signing off on an official document from heaven for the church, for the churches, for this end time church especially. And that is why we are spending time in studying what is in this book. And Jesus says, I am the bright morning star star. And the best way for us to study scripture is for us to compare when was the last time we spoke about stars? When was the last time stars were mentioned in the book of Revelation or in other places? Let me take you to chapter 1, Revelation chapter 1, verse 10 onwards. It says, it was the Lord's day and I was worshipping in the spirit and suddenly I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet blast. This is John speaking and he said, uh, and he said that he heard a sound behind him. And that sound said, write in a book everything that you see and send it to the seven churches in the cities of Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia and Laodicea. Verse 12, when I turned to see who was speaking to me, I saw seven gold lampstands. And standing in the midst of the lampstands was someone like the Son of Man. He was wearing a long robe of a gold sash across his chest. Let's skip to verse 16. He held seven stars in his right hand. And a sharp two-edged sword came from his mouth. And his face was like the sun in all its brilliance. Let's jump to verse 20. This is the meaning of the mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand and the seven gold lampstands. 
the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven lampstands are the seven churches beautiful revelation isn't it john he is hearing a voice and in response to the voice he turns back to see who is speaking to him and what does he find does he see jesus no he sees the lampstands when he turns back to hear the voice of jesus to identify the voice of jesus he didn't get to see jesus first he saw the church first see the lampstands it represents the churches we read about that in verse 20 jesus is explaining the mystery of the seven stars and the seven lampstands and jesus says that the lampstands the seven lampstands they are the seven churches to whom you're writing now when john is hearing the voice of jesus and he turns back to see he doesn't see jesus that's the point i want to explain to you today that the first revelation that john had about jesus was not the jesus that he knew from the days that jesus walked on the earth when john turned around to have a revelation of jesus the first person the first thing that he saw or the first revelation that he had was of the church if there is one thing that you and i need to know and need to understand in this season is that we cannot have a revelation of jesus that we cannot have an encounter with jesus we cannot experience jesus if we are not willing to value the revelation of the church the revelation of the lampstand the revelation of the body of christ in this season our father has instructed us again saying we need to be careful to not allow any viruses inside the body of christ inside the church you know so many of us we want a revelation of jesus we want to hear the voice of jesus but we look back and we see the lampstand and then we ignore it and we walk away and we don't want to do anything to do with this system but john he was wise enough to continue to stare at the lampstand and it says that as he continued to look at the lampstands standing in the middle of the lampstands was the son of man now if you read revelation chapter 2 and 3 you will understand that none of these lampstands were perfect you know that all of them had their own challenges they had their own plus points positives and they had their own negatives and still jesus was in the midst of these lampstands in the middle of these lampstands what does that say to us what does that reveal about the character of jesus to us you know he is somebody who wants a particular standard a particular purity a particular uh, lifestyle in each and every one of us he expects highly from his bride from his church and yet he is right there with them trying to help them in the middle of the lampstands is where you find this jesus you know you wouldn't find this jesus saying this church is too hard for me to work with i am not going to 
be found anywhere near them. No, he's right there next to them. In fact, one of the scriptures, Jesus says, I am standing right at the door and I'm going to continue to knock. If anybody will open up, I'm going to come in and I will have communion with you. Jesus is not far away from the church. If you want an encounter with Jesus, locate a church that loves Jesus. Locate a church that honors his word. Locate a church that is filled with his spirit. And you are not far away from encountering this Jesus for yourself. So many of us, we don't want the lampstand, but we want Jesus. We want the bright morning star. But Jesus says, you want me? You come to the lampstand in the midst of the lampstand. As imperfect as the lampstand is, as challenging as these people sometimes may be, you will find a revelation of who I am. That's what happened to Apostle John. See, if there's one person who didn't have to go through a church, who didn't have to have a lampstand coming in between him and Jesus, it is John. He has, in fact, you know, had the closest relationship with Jesus when he was on the earth. During the 33 years, during the three and a half years of ministry, all through the time that John followed Jesus, he was extremely close to him. He understood the heartbeat of Jesus so well. And yet at this point, the Bible says that when he turned back, he didn't see Jesus. He saw the lampstand. And in the middle of the lampstands were this revelation of the Son of Man. The second characteristic of this Jesus that I'd like to emphasize on, there's so many things we can see in Revelation chapter 1, but the second characteristic is that not only was he in the middle of the lampstands, he was also holding the stars, which are the angels or the messengers or the pastors or the elders of these churches that he was in the middle of. Jesus had in his hand the stars, the stars, and these stars in, in fact represented the leaders of these churches, right? Now, Jesus, when he would refer uh, to the, at the end of the book, he would say, I am the bright morning star. But in this place, he is referring to the leaders or the pastors or the angels of these churches. And he says, they are stars that I hold in my own hand. Now, this is something that we need to spend some time understanding. Jesus says that I am the morning star. I am the bright star. I am the greatest star. And in my hand, in my power, in my ability, I hold all the other stars. In other words, what Jesus is trying to say is, hey, you are seeing a glimpse of who I am when you see your pastor, when you see your spiritual father, when you see your leader, you are getting a glimpse of who I am. If you want to know the kind of uh, person that I am and how I want to treat you, how I want to love you, I want to take care of you, all that you need to do is find your star, find your angel, find your leader and go and study him well. Because if you see your star, 
you have had a tiny glimpse of who I am and what I want to do in your life. That's what Jesus is saying when he says, I am the bright morning star, but I am also holding the stars of these seven churches in my hand. This also needs to create a little bit of reverential fear in our heart, knowing that the Lord Jesus himself holds our angels, our leaders, our stars in his hand. That when we rebel against our leaders or when we fight our elders or our pastors, we are fighting the hand of God. We are not fighting a mere man. We are not just fighting a person that is temporarily appointed by the church as a pastor or as an elder. No, you are fighting the hand of God. Nobody has come out on the right side of history if he tried to fight the hand of God. Because the angels or these stars are in the hand of God. And by directly picking up a fight with the star, with the angel, you are in fact picking a fight with the hand of Jesus. And my hope and my prayer is that the participants on this stream are those that have spiritual intelligence to know, no, I don't pick a fight with my angel. I don't pick a fight with my star. I submit to my star. I study my star better. I yield to my star. I obey my star because I know that he is a representation of the bright and the morning star that Jesus himself is. Every time that you go to meet your pastor or that you go to church and you get to see your leader come up to speak or share or even just to exhort, you need to be reminded that he or she is a glimpse, is a revelation, is a reflection of the bright morning star and that the bright morning star holds them in his hands. They are in the gravitational pull of the bright morning star. In fact, Jesus is about to go ahead and criticize these angels, the bad decisions that they have made, the Nicolaitans that they have tolerated, the Jezebel that they have tolerated, and all these people that have made mistakes. Jesus is about to criticize them, and yet he holds them in his hands. So as much as your pastor, your leader, they may have failures and faults like everybody else does. It is not your job and my job to highlight them. Your job and my job is to submit to those stars, submit to the leadership, to the mentorship, to the guidance that these stars give us. There were a few wise men that followed the star until they reached Jesus. They knew that if I can just continue to go behind this star, this star will eventually lead me to the bright and the morning star. And during the journey, they got distracted trying to go to the King Herod and trying to ask people around. But as long as they went back to the star that was revealed to them, the star that was given to them, that star came and stopped right above 
the place where Jesus was. My hope and my prayer is that you have a star in your church, in your home, in your city, in your nation that you can follow, that you can continue to submit to, that you can continue to look at as a revelation, as a glimpse of the bright morning star that Jesus himself is. Let me give you one more scripture before we go into the next part of today's study. Revelation chapter 1 verse 17. John says that when I saw him, the son of man, I fell at his feet as if I were dead. But he laid his right hand on me and said, Don't be afraid, I am the first and I am the last. This is a very powerful principle that we need to understand here. John couldn't handle the revelation that was given to him and he was almost about to give up. And Jesus laid his right hand upon John to strengthen him, to anoint him for this task, to bless him, to help him, to revive him and to speak a word to him. Don't be afraid. I am the first and I am the last. Let me ask you this. What was in the right hand of Jesus? When John saw the vision of Jesus, how did he see the vision? That Jesus was in the midst of the seven golden lampstands and that in his right hand were the seven stars. These seven stars were the pastors or the angels of these seven churches. Now, the Bible says that when John was about to give up on this encounter that he had with Jesus, Jesus lays his hand, which hand? The right hand, the same right hand in which he held the seven stars. He laid the same right hand upon John so that he can be strengthened. In other words, it was not Jesus laying his hand upon John. It was the elders or the pastors of the seven churches to whom John had an anointing to bring, a word to bring, a message to bring. And John himself, who was an elderly apostle, who didn't need anybody else to pray for him or help him or do anything to encourage him, he himself came under the leadership of these pastors that were in the hand of Jesus so that he gets prepared to carry a message to these churches. Can you imagine this? John is now an outsider writing to these churches. Okay, As anointed as John is, as apostolic as John would be, he is still an outsider writing to the church at Ephesus. For example, the church at Ephesus was planted by Apostle Paul. John was not the apostle over this church. There was other bishops. Timothy was the bishop after Paul. And there were other leaders that were appointed down the line. And now John, as much as he is well known in the Christian world as an apostle of Jesus Christ, when he writes a letter to the church at Ephesus, he needs to come under the submission of the leadership of the church at Ephesus. I can have the most famous apostle, pastor, prophet in the world come to my church. But when he is in my church, he has to come in submission 
to the leadership of my father, to the leadership of my authority or my pastor in that church. He cannot have authority in the church beyond what my pastor has given him. And that is why in this place you would see that Jesus, he would place his right hand on John. The reason Jesus is giving this in-depth vision to John is to give him the perspective that you are not disqualified or unqualified to write these letters to them. You are, in fact, blessed and helped and equipped and under the leadership of these seven apostles or the seven pastors of these seven churches. And when I lay my hands upon you, it is not me laying my hands on you. It is these seven stars that are in my hand that are being placed over you. And they are the ones strengthening you and allowing you to write a letter that is going to come into these churches and is going to bring a revival and it is going to change their perspective. It is going to turn them from a lukewarm church into a hot on the fire church for Jesus. I pray that in this season, you will not only have a revelation of who your star is, you will not only have a revelation of how your star represents the bright and the morning star, but that you will also have a grace to submit to the hand of Jesus. When you submit to the hand of Jesus, you are in fact submitting to the leaders, to the pastors where you are called to minister, where you are called to live, where you are called to function, no matter how anointed you are no matter how well-versed with scriptures you are, we need to submit under the mighty hand of God so that he can lift us up in due time. Coming back to the scripture that we began with, I, Jesus, this is Revelation 22 verse 16, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this message for the churches. I am both the source of David and the heir to his throne. I am the bright morning star. Now coming to the second portion where Jesus refers to himself as the source of David or in other statements, other translations, it would be used the root of David and the branch that comes out of David. The root of David and the offspring of David. The root of David and the descendant of David. That's how Jesus introduces himself in his signing of statement in the book of Revelation. He says, I am not just a son of David, I am also the father of David. Now this is something that we need to spend time to understand because what it essentially means is Jesus is not just the root but he is also the fruit. He is also the results, the outcome. He is not just the foundation, but he is also the one that we are going to exhibit once the building is complete. We see Jesus in the foundation, in the root of our lives. And when the fruit comes, when the results come, it has to bear the characteristics. It has to bear the heart, the mind, the beauty of the person of Jesus. That's who Jesus wants to be in your life and in my life. Let's focus specifically on David. See, Jesus had a 
long relationship with the line of David. Now, Jesus was definitely known as the son of David, as the one that would inherit the throne of David. And that is why so many times his disciples would ask him, is it now that you're going to restore the kingdom back to Israel? They were expecting a physical kingdom to be established. But from time to time, Jesus kept reminding them, guess what? David called this master that you're looking at, David called him Lord. If you think that this Messiah is supposed to be the son of David, how is it that David in the spirit, in fact, called his own son, his descendant as his Lord? And here Jesus tells John, I am not just the descendant of David, I am also the root of David, the source of David. I am the reason why David is here. You know, if you trace back the whole ancestry of David, he was not at all qualified to become the king of David. He was a rejected person. He was not even a pure breed Israelite. His grandmother was a Moabite, Ruth. We know the story of Ruth, how she came from Moab and uh, she married Boaz. And, um, and that is how eventually uh, David was born. Uh, his great-great-grandmother was Rahab, another uh, Gentile from Jericho. And, and you would always find reasons why David was not qualified to become the king of Israel. And yet, God still went back to choosing David's family to be the family through which he will send the anointed Messiah to Israel. In fact, the prophecy is recorded in the book of Isaiah chapter 11. Let's read it together. Isaiah 11 verse 1. Out of the stump of David's family will grow a shoot. Yes, a new branch bearing fruit from the old root. When Jesus calls himself the root and the fruit, the root and the offspring, the root and the descendant of David, he is in fact referring to this prophetic word that was given in Isaiah chapter 11 and verse 1. You should know that there is more prophecies about the second coming of Jesus in the Old Testament than the first coming of Jesus. And that is why so many of the disciples were confused. They were wondering, why is it that Jesus is not acting? Why is it that he is not establishing his kingdom now? Why is it that he is not killing all the Romans and destroying everybody that is not on God's side and just coming and establishing his kingdom? It's because they were confusing a lot of the prophecies about Jesus' second coming with his first coming. And here is one of those prophecies. He says, out of the stump of David's family, one stump, there will be a shoot. Out of one of these stumps will come a new branch bearing fruit from the old root, which means the root was always there. It was from the beginning. This person, he existed from the beginning, even before the creation of the whole world, even before David was planned, even before David came into existence, the root was always there. And from that root came a new branch that bore fruit from that old root. And that is 
who Jesus was. That's what the Bible says. I am the fruit and the root. This season, we have been praying for a grace to be rooted in Christ, to be rooted in the right place, to be rooted in God's voice and in His presence. My hope is that not only will we establish our roots deep down in God, but as a result of us placing our roots deep down into Him, we will also bear a fruit that resembles the root into which we've been planted, into which we have been placed. The Lord wants to create an awareness in the body of Christ that we are not supposed to look like ourselves. The Lord is constantly exposing the lies of the enemy that tells us that, hey, you can just be yourself. You can just do what you want to, be however you want to, and nobody's going to question you. No, those, those may look comfortable Christianity, but that is not divine Christianity. That is not God's plan for the church. God's plan is that the church will resemble the head, that we will grow as mature as Jesus is, that we will grow to the head that is Jesus himself in our spiritual maturity, in our emotional responses, in our physical lifestyles, in all that we do, our fruit will resemble our root. It is so sad. Jesus said, how can a tree that has a good root, that has roots in the right thing, bear fruit in the wrong thing? It was John the Baptist who once said like this, that the axe is now laid to the root of the tree. Every tree that does not produce good fruit, it will be axed down, it will be taken down, it will be cut down. My prayer, my hope is that that will not be said about you and about me. That we will be a church whose root is in Christ and whose fruit, whose descendant, whose offspring, what we produce with our life will also resemble Christ. Not only are we supposed to take our source from God, but we are supposed to bring the fruit of our income, the fruit of our labor, the fruit of our ministry, everything back to Christ. So many times we use Jesus for our own personal gain. We think that as long as I can go to God and receive the inspiration, receive the blessing, receive the grace to do this business, I can prosper and I can make a lot of money and I can enjoy my family and I can be a great businessman and I can do whatever I want to. No, your root, your source is in Christ and your fruit also needs to go back to glorifying that same Jesus Christ, which means the result of your ministry, the result of your academics, the result of your hard work, all of it needs to exemplify the character, the beauty, the glory, and the grace of our Lord Jesus. I hope that we will take this to heart. I hope that we will stand on this word and we will depend on the strength, the grace that we receive from the Holy Spirit in this season to produce fruit that looks like the root, like the old root, a new branch bearing fruit from the old root. Do not let anything or anybody discourage you or stop you or cause you to be distracted into believing that success is all about you. 
it is not success is not about your church it's not about your ministry it's not about your business it is not about how you have established your kingdom our prayer as a jesus loving church let your kingdom come let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven let my fruit represent my root and somebody said an amen let's continue to read isaiah chapter 11 to read the remaining part of the prophetic word that isaiah gave about this stump from the family of jesse the branch that bears fruit from the old root verse 2 of isaiah chapter 11 it says that the spirit of the lord will rest on him the spirit of wisdom and understanding the spirit of counsel and might the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the lord this is a description about our bright morning star it says that the spirit of yahweh will not just fill him but will rest on him that is what qualifies this jesus this reigning king who will come on this earth to now rule and reign in righteousness you should understand we are not talking about the first coming of jesus the first coming of jesus was when he came as a physical a human being and he needed to depend on the holy spirit uh, for uh, the life of purity for the life of uh, holiness for uh, understanding the will of his father but this is talking about the second coming of jesus i'll prove to you in a minute it says that even in the second coming the spirit of the lord will rest on him the spirit of wisdom and understanding the spirit of counsel and might and the knowledge the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the lord and because of which it says verse 3 he will delight in obeying the lord yahweh he will not judge by appearance nor make a decision based on hearsay so if you're wondering how the lord is going to judge you how he's going to reward you it's not going to be based on your appearance or based on hearsay it is going to be on solid evidence he will check your works we spoke about that a couple of weeks back he will check the weightage of your works he will check the weightage of your heart everything has to add up because he delights in obeying his father he is not going to judge by appearance but he will make decision based on solid evidence not on hearsay verse 4 he will give justice to the poor and make fair decisions for the exploited the earth will shake at the force of his word and one breath from his mouth will destroy the wicked now talk about this scripture this is not talking about the first coming of jesus you don't see the earth shaking at the force of his word and you don't see the one breath from his mouth destroying the wicked all of this is speaking about the second coming of jesus and it's possible it is made possible because the spirit of the lord the spirit of yahweh our holy spirit the spirit of power and wisdom and understanding and counsel and might and knowledge and fear of god will rest upon jesus you should understand the first coming of jesus 
was made possible because of the Holy Spirit. The second coming of Jesus is also made possible because of Jesus. It says, verse 4, that the earth, it will shake at the force of his word and one breath from his mouth will destroy the wicked. He will wear righteousness like a belt and truth like an undergarment. Verse 6, let's read this together. In that day, the wolf and the lamb will live together. The leopard will lie down with the baby goat. The calf and the yearling will be safe with the lion. And a little child will in fact lead them all. The cow will graze near the bear. The cub and the calf will lie down together. The lion will eat hay like a cow. The baby will safely play near the hole of a cobra. Yes, a little child will put its hand in a nest of deadly snakes without harm. Nothing will hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain. For as the waters fill the sea, so the earth will be filled with people who know the Lord. In that day, the heir to David's throne will be a banner of salvation to all the world. The nations will rally to him and the land where he lives will be a glorious place. Somebody say aloud, Amen. I hope that if nothing else excites you, just reading these 10 scriptures from Isaiah chapter 11 will thrill you up and prepare your spirit for the world, for the kingdom, for the glorious kingdom that is yet to come. And there are some characteristics of this kingdom that we need to understand. It is the fact that Jesus is still known as the heir to David's throne, as the one who sits on David's throne, as the one who is going to inherit the place, the position, the power that David had. In fact, in a greater measure, in a measure that nobody could have imagined, a kingdom can actually function like this, where babies can pet you know, lions and bears and, uh, you know, wild animals and cobras and deadly snakes. All of that will happen and yet nothing will hurt this little child. That's what the Bible says. Nothing will hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain. Now, this is why I said that verse 2 of Isaiah chapter 11 and verse 1 as well is not referring to the first coming of Jesus. It is referring to the second coming of Jesus. What will happen when he does come on that day, when this happens, when the Spirit of the Lord rests on him in this measure, it will bring forth a kingdom that is a kingdom of peace, that is a kingdom of righteousness. It's a kingdom of fairness. There is going to be justice. There is going to be fair decisions. There is going to be solid judgment based on real evidence. There is going to be delight in obeying the Lord. And it says in verse 10, In that day, the heir to David's throne will be a banner of salvation to the whole world. So the focus is still on the fact that Jesus will sit on David's throne. See, Jesus, he is very proud about his ancestry. And at the same time, he is 
intentional to remind us that he is also the source of David, not just the fruit, but also the source of David, not just the offspring, but also the one who gave life to David himself. He is establishing himself above David and at the same time, he is establishing himself as an heir to David's throne. There are many truths that it tells us. David was the one who was rejected and then later established as the king of Israel. There was a time when he was an outcast and later on the stone that the builders rejected now became the cornerstone. The whole world is now talking ill about Jesus and Jesus' followers. But a time is coming when the ones that are rejected are now going to be the ones that will reign along with Jesus on the throne of David. We know the story of David's grandmother Ruth. She was a Moabite woman when she came to the land of Bethlehem. She had nobody, nothing, absolutely no hope of any restoration. And then there was a kinsman redeemer. His name was Boaz. Ruth chose to go and work in a field, in a particular field, not knowing which field it is, not knowing what she is going to do here, if she is going to get favor or not. She just went and lo and behold, she is in the field of Boaz. The same field where she was picking up the leftovers and the rejected grain and the ones that nobody else picked up. Now, in a matter of time, she became the owner of that same field, of that same property. When she married Boaz, she was no longer picking up the rejected parts of the field. Now she owned the entire field. A couple of generations later, this field will now belong to his children. And one of them being Jesse, his son David, was in the field when the anointing came to his house looking for this man who is in the field, who is taking care of the sheep in the field. And in the field, this, this David who was rejected would sing songs to God, would worship God. And in the field, when he was still in that same field, a word was sent for David to return back and for him to be anointed as the king of Israel. A couple of hundreds of years later, in that same field, somewhere in Bethlehem, while shepherds watched their flock at night, angels came to declare that a king is born. In fact, there are Bible teachers and theologians that believe that it is the exact same field that Ruth worked in, that David played in, that was the same field where the shepherds were watching the flock by night and the angels came to declare. See, there were so many people in Bethlehem, but there was one field that was anointed to carry forward the legacy of the fact that the hurt ones, the rejected ones, the ones that nobody care about, the ones that everybody thinks is an outcast, nothing good can come out of this lady, nothing good can come out of this David, nothing good can come out of this Jesus. In fact, one of the biggest problems the theologians of Jesus' day had was what good can come out of Nazareth? 
they couldn't recognize or understand the greatness of this king that was walking among them and i know for a fact that the lord is ministering to so many of us that are feeling rejected that are feeling hurt that are feeling broken that are feeling betrayed that are going through seasons of life where you've been just left outside as a stone that the builders have rejected i have good news for you today we have a king we have a jesus who is the heir to david's throne and at the same time he is the source the root of david he's the bright morning star and he's coming back and when he does come he's going to rule with justice with fairness he's going to make his decisions to the poor and the hurting ones he's going to give them justice he is going to vindicate them he is going to lift up the head of the weary so no matter what you're going through trust in our king trust in our lord trust in our master he has been through it all and because he comes to reign we will reign also we will rule also we will be victorious as well let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven as it is in the age to come let it be here on earth in our age in our seasons in our time jesus said it like this if you've left your home your father your mother your brother sister or anything for my sake you're not just going to receive a blessing in the kingdom or the world to come but you will also receive a hundred times of the same here on the earth here in this world in this age so prepare yourself for some divine honor some divine celebration coming your way according to the measure of your rejection according to the measure of how much people put you down if you are still under the mighty hand of god if you are still submitted to the stars that are in the right hand of god if you are still keeping your gaze on the stars that god has appointed over your life it is just a matter of time because the bible says when you submit yourself under the mighty hand of god he will lift you up in due time there's no changing that if you will honor the lord if you will submit yourself to the lord he will honor you he will lift you up at the right time can i finish with this particular scripture isaiah chapter 11 and verse 2 the spirit of the lord will rest on jesus the spirit of wisdom and understanding the spirit of counsel and might the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the lord this is how jesus will establish his kingdom this is how jesus will receive honor this is why the world will now rally to jesus can we pray can we declare right now that the same manifestation will happen for you in your own little world that wherever you are that the spirit of god will rest on you the spirit of wisdom and understanding the spirit of counsel and the spirit of might the spirit of knowledge and the spirit of the fear of the lord will rest upon you and as a result of that you will walk in victory as a result of that you will produce the fruit according to your root as a result of that 
you are going to delight in obeying the Lord. As a result of that, you will rule and reign over your life's situations. You're not going to be enslaved by them. No, you are going to rule and you're going to reign. You're going to have the final say because the spirit of the Lord wants to now rest upon you. Not just fall upon you and leave you. No, he wants to rest, make his habitation on you. I understand that we are all spirit-filled Christians in the New Testament. But in this season, the Lord wants to fill us afresh. He wants to give us a new portion of wisdom and understanding, counsel and might, knowledge and fear of God. We all need it. This is our victory. This is the key for us to walk in victory. If we will receive it, if we will appropriate it by faith, if we will humble ourselves so that the Holy Spirit can rest on us, if we will pursue Him in such a way that the Holy Spirit will feel comfortable to walk with us, if our lifestyles will align up to the heart and the mind of God so that we don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God, and may our lives be full and an overflow of a walk in the Spirit. That is what will help us to have the kind of victory that Jesus wants us to have. Thank you so much for tuning in tonight. I pray and I hope this word will bear fruit in your life. Let's pray one last time before we finish this night's service. Daddy God, we thank you so much for giving us your word. This is so precious because it is coming from your heart. You spoke this over the churches. You said that you are the root and you are the descendant, the offspring of David. And we acknowledge that over our lives. We want you to be the root and the fruit of our lives. We want you to be the beginning and the ending, the beginning and the outcome. Everything in our lives, we want it to be from you. Not just the source, but also the result, also the end point, also the destination of our lives. May it be you and you alone. Our prayer is that in this season, we will yield to the stars that you have placed over our lives. We will yield to the principles that you have taught us from your word. And as we study this book more and more, cause us to grow in our revelation of who Jesus is. Oh, that we may fall in love with Jesus over and over and over again. We love you, Father. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Holy Spirit. You're the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. We love you. Thank you for helping us and equipping us and empowering us for this last days. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And everybody said a loud Amen. Thank you so much for tuning in. May the Lord bless you. Prepare your heart. This weekend is going to be special. Make sure to log in on revivenations.tv and sign up with your email ID there. That will make sure you get all the details required to tune in for this coming Sunday service. Do not miss it for anything in the world. It is going to be glory upon glory. We will see you there on Sunday morning. Have a blessed and a beautiful night ahead or a beautiful day ahead, depending on which part of the world you're in. God bless you.